Alright, so... You've listened to the other episodes before, right? Yeah. Like, one or two of them? Yeah. What... What did you like about them, so I can focus on that? I don't know, it's just like... They all centered around like a theme. Kind of like the ones that I listened to are like about relationships. And like the true meaning of love. And then like, at a certain point... I listened to those and I kind of connected to them. And they were very raw, so it was like ideal topics that people don't want to like talk about. And then hearing other people's perspectives on the subject, it was just like, okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point of the podcast, that we're all looking for things, and we all have different ways to get there. And I guess in my mind, I imagine everyone's looking to be happy, right? Right. Yeah, and I was about to say that. You know, we're all looking for happiness. And it comes in different forms, different ways, and we've learned how to be happy through different experiences, and that fascinates the crap out of me. So let's start there. Let's be a therapist and ask you, and let me ask you, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know my background, so, like, there's not too many things that make me happy. There's things that I enjoy, like, doing, you know, my, my, I've had, like, a troubled past and, you know, my childhood, and I haven't really been, like, very emotional about things. It's kind of like the theme of this podcast, you know, like, robots can feel. I always thought I was a robot that didn't have emotions. Well, let's slow down there, because you do enjoy things, yeah. so let's talk about what you enjoy. Like, sports, I really like soccer. So what, uh, music. So so mu- we can focus on music, I guess. Well, let's start with soccer because I don't know why people enjoy soccer. So enlighten me and teach okay. me why is soccer the most enjoyable sport for you? You can pick any sport in the world: underwater basket weaving, extreme chess, curling. But why soccer? Well, I guess I grew up with it because of my heritage. You know, watch it with my family, and then as a kid, I played it. And it's just like one of the first things that I connected, you know, things that I grew up with and then I just followed through with it. And then as I got to see more and more, you know, not just in the U.S., but like different other countries across the pond, you know, in England, some are really good. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, English Premier League fan. So then do you like soccer because it reminds you of better times then? Like you grew up with it, you were surrounded by it. But I'm surrounded by, you know, couches. I don't, you know, love couches. Right. Yeah. We're surrounded by a lot of things, you know. I, I wear t-shirts. I don't, you know, love t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I, I guess it's like, it's like one sport that I could be, like, really into it. Like, really aggressive. You run a lot. You're always chasing something. So you always have to be focused on something, I guess. And, like, getting the ball back and then... Lots of teamwork. And I don't know, it's, it's like pinpoint something about it that I like. It, it's kind of kind of hard for me. Well, then let's... But, or that, that makes me like it, you know. Well, well, we're getting closer there. So, like, what about soccer makes it the coolest sport, in your opinion? To me, like, what, what makes it cool? Yeah, what makes um, like, make it stand out, you know, makes it pop? I don't know, it's just really fun. Like, other sports, you go in it just to hurt other people, kind of like, you know, American football. And 
you know, rugby, all of those, it's like the point of it is to like, yeah, get the ball across the line, but in the process, you basically are mur murdering the opposite team. I never got really into basketball, baseball, not really. Played some tennis, but I guess soccer is kind of like, it's really fun because you're always running, you're always chasing something, and it's, and it's, you're always active. There's a lot of like mentality towards it, you know, like plays. I guess it reminds you, like, when, whenever you went to, like, recess as a kid, you'd just have the plenty of room to run and have fun. I guess that's what soccer is to me. So it's room to have fun. So then the question is then, that, that, that analogy is saying that you don't then ha not have fun in class. I agree that recess is, you know, the funnest time as a kid. Right. But I guess my analogy, my question then is, can you make that same kind of point with anything? Yeah, so let's say that, like, in a classroom or at work, you know, people don't like, like, sitting at a desk or, like, being confined by rules and all this. So, you know, and it's, and it's kind of like me, like, being an engineer, or, you know, what I do on my job is I use my imagination. So that's my kind of freedom, my kind of space. It's, like, endless and then, on yeah, a mentality basis. Nail on the head is that, but then you can say that about any sport then. So, because any sport takes imagination, takes thought, takes creativity. Creativity, imagination, and anything we do because we are human. So, right. And I guess, you know, I guess soccer is just like my, my niche, I guess. Like kind of like, I'm trying to dig into soccer just because it's a team sport. It's like any other team sport. You have plays, you have things, and you have coordination, you have the thrill winning, you have all these things that are similar to other sports besides, you know, the harshness of, like, football. But basketball is just right. kind of cool. That court is giant. Fuck running that. <laughs> so, I guess my question is sort of on, on the lines of keep going with that. If we eliminate that, what other thing brings soccer, makes soccer special? I guess it's that, like, it has a lot of history. I mean, not in the U.S., of course. You know, it's a, it's a young sport here. But, like, if you go across the pond and, you, like, uh, I'm a big Manchester United fan. Okay, so let's go back to American football. You think of, let's say, you know, the Patriots, because everybody knows the Patriots. How many, like, big stars can you name from the Patriots? Tom yeah. Brady. And then, there's, so there's a handful. So then you go, and then go back to me talking about Manchester United. So you can go, like, most recently, Wayne Rooney, and then, you know, you got Paul Scholes, you have Bender Sarr, you have Cristiano Ronaldo, you have uh, Ryan Giggs, you have Dimitar Berbatov, you have Ibrahimovic. So you have a lot of, you know, transgressions, and, and I guess it's like the way that the trade market goes with the soccer players, you know, you get a star one season or like a handful of seasons, and then they go to another place. So it's like almost drama-like, so it's very entertaining to see where... where someone's loyalty lies or if they stayed with one team like you know Ryan Giggs stays with Manchester United for 12 years and he set records and he was you know dominating the league with that team and that team you know had a history of their coach you know being with the team 20 years and winning so many titles so it's a lot of it's a lot of pride that goes with along with the team so a lot of like respect for a soccer player 
for having, you know, such determination and being with the team and that loyalty and their accolades of winning, you know, X amount of titles in their, their tenure at a team. And then all of a sudden they decide to go somewhere else, you know, and, and then they, they're like, oh, well, what's he going to do now? This and that. So it, it, it's very drama connected with history, connected with the characters and the, and, and you know, the, the, the ambitions of those characters and if they were doing it for the pride and the honor or they're just doing it for the money. In American football or basketball, you build a you build a dynasty and then that's it. I mean, they have the same thing with when, what's the guy's name? The guy who was pushed to the Browns, to the Heat, and went back to the Heat again, went back to the Browns again. Who's that guy? LeBron James? Uh, the Heat, and then when he went to the Cavaliers? Yeah, who's that guy? Yeah, LeBron James. Yeah, so isn't that's the drama people talk about all the time about players switching alliances yeah. and stuff like that. So it's the same concept, right? Right, but so you have like one LeBron James, you have like one Kevin Durant, you have one Tom Brady, you have There's more the- teams, more countries, more tournaments. So you have like tournaments between countries. You have, and then so it, it's it's like a grand scale. Then you have the World Cup, and then you have like international teams so it's very complex not just one league so is that what you like to follow you like the complexity you like how big and vast it is and it's something to sink your teeth in yeah i guess so because that's like why i know you understand how people like wrestling and i know you love wrestling because wrestling is yeah. a concept right it's manufactured sports but it's sports that is has so many layers there's so much denseness to it. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not. Yeah. So that's the. So then, why do you like the denseness of it? Because that is a lot to swallow for a lot of people. I don't know. It just keeps me entertained. I like. I like it because it's like, that's the way I think. That's the way. Like I, you know, me and you being engineers. That's the way we think. We always ask why or like what comes next or we think of a one step ahead. And we try to guess and, you know, hypothesis going back to, you know, scientific thinking. And I don't know, it's just very complex. I just, I don't know, I just like it. I find it interesting. The complexity, the, you know, inter- inter- intertwining storylines. I don't know, it just keeps me entertained. So then, I guess, would that say that you like complexity and that is part of what drives you? Have you ever thought about it like that? Yeah, like, I always like the challenge challenges and I always think like you know if it was easy then what's what's it worth so then do you like out of curiosity then do you go and do things that are purposely stressful <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess so describe some of those things so we can get it on you know record so you know I I you know I went I grew up in Texas uh, you know first generation college student and then I chose one of the hardest majors in the, you know, in the curriculum at one of the most, you know, challenging schools, the one of the most challenging engineering schools in the nation. And, you know, I stuck through it. And it was just always challenging me. And I chose that for me. You know, I could have chosen something easier. I could have gone a different route. But I chose not to only challenge myself with a difficult major, but at a most advanced level something that someone can't say oh yeah that was easy and you know that because you know you studied along with me but then we knew people who made it look easy 
Yeah, yeah, so just... then, yeah, so it's it's relative. Yeah, you know, it could be easy for you know one person, but it's challenging for another. And it was it was it was really challenging for me at point at some point. And, and that... then from then on, you know, going back to challenges and sacrifices. You know, my, all my life I've lived in Texas. And I'm talking to you from my couch from where I live now in Omaha, Nebraska. If you're listening to this and you don't know where that is, uh, it's in the Midwest, middle of nowhere, Nebraska. About, you know, if you put your finger on Houston, Texas on a map, just go up to the middle of the U.S. and there it is. So then, I that is interesting to me because, you know, once again, that it, that is not the norm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it's not the norm, right? Do you, oh, we both agreed that you know, I feel like he, people in general like the easy way out. They're commercials, yeah, they're like everything. you know they they live close to home they try to be near family be, be near friends so all my friends live in houston all my friends live in texas they stayed there either they went from dallas to houston or houston to dallas or san antonio or anywhere in texas so they they all live there you live in texas yeah yeah because I mean, it's, it's easier for them for the community going back home being close to family this and that and I chose to like be miles and miles away because that's just the type of person who I am, you know? So then that's my question then is why do you want it to be hard? And, and kind of, do you remember when kind of, a, not a story, but at least a moment when you were like, fuck the easy path. Like, you know, Robert Thoreau style. Is that Thoreau? No. Walt Whitman style. The path less traveled sort of aphorism bullshit. So like a moment in life when it was easy? When you chose to say, fuck the easy path, let's make it hold on myself. I can sit on my ass, uh, or I can, you know, apply to the hardest school in the university and apply to engineering and yada, yada, yada. Right. Like, that is, as you said, who you are. Let's break it down to one of the first moments when you defined who you were. You know, when you're a kid in like fifth grade, sixth grade, or even fourth grade, if you went to public school. So, you know, the, the best thing about being a kid was summer vacation. You know, you'd get your free time, you can go to like amusement parks, hang out with friends. But I chose to like work with my dad because, you know, of course, he would pay me in some way or the other but I never got that to experience you know like a good summer or like hanging out with friends this and that because I was always at work for those two or so months although although it was with my dad you know I didn't have that time to relax so is it more of a choice because you could you have gone out and have fun with your friends I could have so- but I chose to you know I guess it was like uh, the greed in me or whatever to get money or, you know, get that new toy. And I, rem- I remember with, I saved some money up and I bought my first computer myself. 
that was in it, it, it kind of and i guess it goes more to say on you know what kind of shaped me to the kind of person that i am right now it's like always working for what i want very hands on very ambitious that could be a stretch at least well i mean it's the stretch because i kind of want to put it in perspective because we we're both in middle school and high school at the same time that was around the bullshit social experiment of everyone gets a medal for even trying right <laughs> it, that's counterculture <laughs> to then because i remember those i remember when i was the fat kid in middle school saying yeah you participated in track day here's a gold medal for you know walking a mile because you were too fucking lazy to like run <laughs> right and it it's against that because you know it was all about you know just relax you'll be fine everyone's special and then you yeah. decide to say that, no, I'm not. I'm going to... Because it's different. It's a different mindset. And I don't want to put it lightly and, you know, I'll exaggerate it. And say that the mindset where you earn something, you know, you work to get something. Right. I was a middle class kid, so how I earned my allowance was getting A's on, you know, a test or whatever. And they gave me five bucks. Right. But that was easy for me, so it wasn't really, you know, work. Yeah, and see, you know, I, I didn't have that luxury, you know, I didn't know what an allowance was. Mm-hmm. This and that, you know, as a kid, you would get like a treat for just being a kid or, you know, like you said, you know, that participation medal. And it was just like, and even, even going, you know, more, even more back, the, the earliest memory that I have of myself in elementary school was, me in the first grade and I created a power present PowerPoint presentation and my first grade teacher was like so proud of me she like created me back to my pre-k teacher back to my kinder teacher so like oh look what this kid did you, you taught him and I was like yeah it wasn't that me feeling like the badass it was just like you know I created something and someone recognized it and then it kind of gets and it goes back to that mentality of like if I do good good things will happen if i do good i will get what i want so this is if like if i work keep going keep going and then eventually things will happen i kind of want to flip this on his head because this is what i question all the time is the inverse of that i don't know if mm-hmm. you have any advice for this but it's been on my mind for a while is what happens if you are doing good and nothing happens so most recently I've been doing good, but I've been doing good in a way that people saw was bad. So my superior thought my actions were undermining her and she felt offended by those things. She felt that I was going above her and giving her a bad image. So my good doings had a negative result. Even though everyone else thought I was doing good, even though everyone else appreciated my ambition and, you know, my methods of doing things on my own, doing things that I thought was right, doing things that I was hands-on and had my name on things, in the end, because I was, quote-unquote, undermining my superior, it was negative. So, and it has since put me in a bad or in a in an awkward position at work. So that's kind of my question because I mean you're still going through it, yep. but 
we I don't want to put this in I hate being political but good things if you do good things but if other people take it as bad what the fuck <laughs> so like you, I, you can't you can't tell someone what to do or what to think you can't you can only influence them yes and I am struggling with that every single day especially in you know today's climate Right. How, like, we can do good. We can walk, you know, hard and all that stuff. I remember back when fat shaming was, you know, big. A woman posted about how, you know, in shape she was, was shamed for showing off, even though she was doing mm-hmm. good. Right. Because people were offended that, you know, they were, you know her image of being, you know, fit was uh, negative to people who weren't fit. Right. Which is kind of the analogy I'm trying to put paint your situation as, right? Because you were doing good. But someone took it wrong. Yes. And in this case, the person who took it wrong actually has control of your life. Which yes. sucks to no end. And I don't think neither has the answer to it, but I guess what have you learned on trying to figure out how to weave through that? Because we can't change that, can we? I won't say that Yes, uh, the way, the time that we're in, it's so easy to for someone to get offended over nothing. And it's something we have to accept. Kind of like what I accept that, yes, I may have been doing good. I can see how my superior took it the wrong way. And then you have, just have to reflect. You have to reflect, you know, it's like, you're not going to change who you are. I'm not going to change the hard worker that I am. I'm not going to change the way that I do them. But how can we meet in the middle? How can something that I do both satisfy, you know, my notion of hard work, my notion of, you know, go-getting, and satisfy her needs of being in control of who I am, which ultimately she wants. And because to have that control over me because she's my superior. And I'll st- take a step back because I like taking things out in broader, you know me. Yes. It's all about kind of what I don't like about the world, but we it's the world we live in. It's the world of we have to play the fiddle to someone else's drum, but somehow mm-hmm. enjoy the music we're playing, you know, La La Land style. Or uh, Whiplash style. You gotta play someone else's sheet music and convince yourself that or do something or figure out a way to enjoy it am i correct i mean do you get my analogy yeah yeah then the, the i guess the question i'm asking is how do you keep saying on it because it's drives me insane so you ultimately have to think about what you want from it what do I want from my situation? To gain experience, to gain skills, to you know, to get to a point where in my career I'd be like, yeah, I've done this for a long time. People respect me. They respect my work ethics, and my superior appreciates the person that I am and appreciates my hard work. So, and then it all goes back to sacrifice. The challenge, you know, the challenge that we talked about earlier of you're always going to have that pushback. You're always going to be working against something because you can never please everyone. 
it's harder when that person that you can't please has a higher ranking than you, like in my situation. So you always have to have that challenge on gauging what's right and what's wrong. Not for you, but what's right and wrong in the eyes of someone else. But then we get down a slippery slope of we are going to sense ourselves so much that we might forget who we are. Mm. That's my fear. Well, yeah. Is that we're going to... Essentially, that's what it is. It's... Because you're going to be molded, you're going to be molded by someone, but that mold is not what you want. And that's all of life. All of life is being molded by other people. And I understand that, and I, you know live with it and I get that I, I mean, we all are a mold of our surroundings and of our genetics and of our people we hang out with whether we like it or not right but then I guess the bigger question is how do we ensure that we pretend to be molded but also stay the mold we are <laughs> playing you know that mask game, the multiple players, the things we do all the time. Because you've stayed you. Mm -hmm. You've learned a lot because of this, but you still are you. Right. You've gotten actually better because of it, and based on what I've talked to you over the phone, you've become better because of this. So how do right. you, So your perspective is what, again? That you can treat as a job, treat as a thing, and get experience out of it, and make it into a good situation, right? Right. So, so it's all about you know thinking positive versus negatively. So I can be negative and think about it like, oh, I'm being brought down by you know my superior. I'm bringing. I'm being brought down by situations at work. I'm being brought down by the hostility that's going on. I'm being brought down by the micromanaging that is now in place, or you know having to write down every single step that I take so it doesn't be used against me. All of that still is happening, but if I think about it positively, if I think about it, you know, now the things that I do are actually gonna be seen, now there's gonna be greater communication, greater teamwork, or, you know, it's, it's, it's the hope for the better, not being in the slump of the now. So then, back to what we talked about before, why don't you enjoy more things then? Because if, by that definition, everything can be enjoyable. Well, you know me, and I've, since, since my childhood, since, you know, the first day that we met. Let's, let's, let's go back to the first day that we met, oh, or the first what? time that we met. Oh, the first time we remember very vividly. <laughs> so, we were arguing over an iPad. Yes. <laughs> so I and you can you can vouch for I used to be one of the angriest persons ever. Yes. I might still be. Well, uh, you had a resting um, bitch face. Resting bitch face. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, and I, I did, and I still do. You know, Mr. Grumpy Cat or whatever. But it, it all goes back to the mentality of being the better person, being a better, being a better person. And improving yourself and letting go of the grudges and letting go of ways of thinking that, you know, um, you know, you transcend on a mental note. So then 
describe I, uh, a grudge that you've gotten over because I have something personal I'll share at some point if we can do it now or later, but describe how you get over a grudge. How do you forgive think, somebody? So going back to thinking positive and neg- negatively, if I think negative of a grudge, over a grudge, you know, let's say this person, you know, something happened with this person and I don't want to talk to this person. Well, what's going to come out of it? Avoiding this person, being in awkward situations when this person is in the same room as me, being friends with this person's friends. Therefore, you know, it's a slippery slope of always being in a difficult situation because you can't get along with this person. If you forget about that, if you forget, you know, let bygones be bygones, it just creates a better environment. It creates a healthy environment. You can get along, your friends, and you can get along. You don't have to avoid this person. You, maybe you need this person in the future. Yes, maybe you need input. You maybe you need that friendship. You need that shoulder to cry on in the future, which would have never happened if you still have that grudge against this person, you know? But I, I guess not grudge is the misphrasing, but it's like this, is that your boss is asking you to do something, like micromanage your time, and you uh-huh. do that to cover your own ass and build communication. But uh-huh. what happens if someone doesn't like, or you do something to wrong somebody that is kind of you? But let's say someone doesn't like your face. You, they should tell you to smile more, and you hate doing that. Are you gonna smile more to appease them? And, you know, mend well, bridges and change so that they like you? So, I mean, there's one thing I I dislike smiling. Well, just an example, and I know you dislike yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't smile <laughs> because of my resting bitch face. Yes. So there's two difference, you know? So um, if someone, like, nags if they, at they, you... If they, tell, if they tell me to smile more yeah. or if they tell me to be happy, yeah. you don't look happy, I'll just be like, this is how I am. Like, not, not to get over it, but, like, make a joke out of it. Make yeah. it something funny. Where, you know, they know that that emotion is lacking or they know that it's technically a disability for me. And, and then they'll be okay with it. And it goes back to communication, you know. If they didn't ask or if I didn't say anything, they wouldn't know. So it's like perception is reception. What they perceived me being angry, this and that they won't know that I'm actually angry until they talk to me. Well, perception is reality until you confirm your perception yeah. as reality. And people do that all the time. It's called, you know, judging, you know. It's that f- first five minutes. You Whatever you perceive is whatever it is until you're proven wrong. Right. And I get that, but I guess... I was just using that as a thing, but what happens if it's, like, once again, your attitude. You can change your attitude and all that stuff. But it's not your attitude, and the attitude you're changing it to is not the attitude you enjoy. Does that make sense? Can you say that again? So, like, other example. Let's say you were a server at a restaurant, and you were nice to uh-huh. people, and you were good, but then your manager asks you to be nicer or, you know, do something that you don't agree with. Okay. Let's say offer a black man grape juice because they think they can sell more grape juice to black people if you offer them grape juice. <laughs> okay. And you say that's fucking racist. 
but uh -huh. your manager is telling you to do it. And you know, you need to be around that job that pays your bills and all that stuff. And you have to suck it up. Right? Right. How do, yep. how do we, how do, how do, you, have you ever been in a situation like that before where you've been told to do something and you'll change because you must for perception reasons? Not, you don't, you don't actually have to change, but you right. change for them to appease them when it's against your code, against your ethics. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything has, like that has happened that has challenged you know my ethics or challenge because you. I do yeah. I do believe in integrity you know mm. what challenge who you on and like your like personal things you believe in not to get religious but you, you know what I mean I guess uh, we'll go back to like the situation at work where they want me to go through her go, go through my sphere for everything to like send out email to her to some more communication, basically. And and you do it because you understand why she wants to do it. Because if you didn't do yeah, it... Yeah, I understand, you know, yeah. yeah. But if it were up to me, yeah. I would be handling the program myself. If it were up to me, you know, I could be doing these things without going to her first because I think it as, you know, unnecessary. But you... Oh, we're both smart enough to realize that we understand why she's doing it, so thereby we suck it up because we understand that we must do it because... XYZ. We can rationalize it out. Right, because and it ultimately goes down to she's the boss mm -hmm. and I'm the trainee. And I guess that's sometimes reason enough. And I'm just, I, I guess I'll try to flip it around into more of a nebulous scenario. What happens if, you, if it's your friend? Uh-huh. Or you're trapped in that situation. Yeah. Kind of peer pressure is that other axiom, or let's say it's your girlfriend, boyfriend's friend, and you don't want to piss them off because they're your boyfriend's best friend or something, and they ask you to do something that you don't like to do or whatever. They want more boundaries. You, you know what I mean? I'm trying just to take out the power dynamic because work, right, we right. must submit to power. They uh -huh. have power over lives, so we submit to it because we need to eat and live. What happens if it's someone that has no power over you? When you face that challenge of them asking you to change, and you don't want to change like that because you think that's idiotic or their reasons are not good enough. I guess I've never had that situation. Can you think of something that you know of? <laughs> well, like, it's the perception thing. We can go back to one of our old things, because they will listen to it. Is that uh, one of our friends' girlfriends... Okay, yeah. ...treating one of your actions as shitty. Mm -hmm. Perceived as shitty, wants you to be unshitty. But you weren't being shitty. You apologize for being shitty, but, you know, whatever. Yes, okay, yes. So they took my actions in the wrong way, which I didn't mean it. And then they ask you to change, but <laughs> there's nothing to change, or you right. refuse to change. And then now, well, it's gone, and that sucks, right? Yeah, and it, and it, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it's like having that grudge. And then connecting the two, is like, I didn't see what I was doing as bad. 
and then it escalated to a point where they were like, stop it or else. And I was like, stop what? And then the else happened. And then I guess now we have to live with the fact. And I, yeah. I know you're over it and all that stuff, but we can't change other people's grudges. So how do we live with the fact that people have grudges against us then? To flip it around. I... Because we yeah, we so. both have pissed many people off. <laughs> I live with it. <laughs> I've lived with it every yeah. single day, and I'm I have my ways of living with it. What are your ways of living with it? You know, and it's it goes back to influencing people. You can burn bridges with some people, and you can do so much. I most recently for one way or the other, or one manner or the other, had a, a personal relationship fail. And for some reason, you know, I <laughs> felt bad. I felt bad for the way things happened, you know, and it was just, you know, an important person in my life, you know, decided to just leave. And I felt bad, I, you know, apologized. And, and, as always, when, when something happens in your life, you, you panic, you know, you start, you start scrambling for answers, you start asking why things happened, or you don't understand, you know, like the first situation we talked about, you know, our mutual friend, it's not, but then you realize, and, and then this is, you know, when the maturity and mentality of the, the shifting in the mind and all that happens is when you realize that things happen for a reason or situations sum up for the future. Certain things happen in line that it just falls in. And you just have to accept it. You just have to accept reality because you can only live in, in, in a idealistic way for so long. You may think things are going right or you may think that things were not supposed to happen in a certain way, but then reality happens and you think that, oh, I see why things happened. Or I see why this person is upset with me and doesn't want to talk to me for the rest of my life. Or you you see why, you know, this relationship ended or, or you know, why you can't be friends with a certain person anymore. And then you realize that, okay, everything's going to be fine. I'm not going to hold a grudge as I'm not going to worry about it. So is the answer just understanding then? Because it goes back to yeah. that. It's understanding and rationalization. It's, we're both engineers, so we break things down. And after, after a certain time, we can understand why things happen. Is that yeah. the solution and to everything? I mean, I, I like to say that. I like to say that, that too. But do you think that? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I always think, you know, you know, and I always wonder, why, why, why did this happen? Why? And it's like instant investigations, you know, my background and my job, you're always asking why, you're always asking, you know, root cause analysis, basically. Um, so why things happen? And you, once you understand the things that work, you reflect on it and you move on. You move on as a better person. You move on as thinking differently for the better, if you take it that way. If you make it a positive, you know, a positive result, and you think positive about things, you work 
on top of that. You work to better yourself. And if you don't, you just feel miserable. So it's you feel as- miserable at the outcome. You, you feel miserable about not having this certain person in your life, your friend or, the, or you know, XYZ. You feel miserable about it other than, hey, maybe I should change. Maybe I should think about things differently, you know? So it's asking why, but it's asking why on how you can do it, not asking why shit happens to me. It's more like, why, what did I fuck up? And taking yeah, personal responsibility of, for that. Because the worst thing that you can do as a person is blame the other person. But Because that comes from, of course, insecurity, from my understanding, is that people don't want to admit failure and no one likes failure at all. Right. Because you blame everything else but yourself because failure sucks. But then how how do you convince yourself to be okay with failure? Because failure is so damn difficult to live with. I know that I've done things wrong. People have told me for, for so long that, you know, holy shit, you're fucked up, you know? Basically, ultimately, I said, you know, you're an ass. And people have told me that I'm straight up ass, you know, and I'm like, for so long, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. But then I realized, you know, it's like the way things should be. Nobody should think of me that way, you know? That's not who I really am. Let's see why people think that way. And, and then you start building relationships and then things fall apart. And then you look back on it and reflect, oh, I guess that's why they think that. Let me try to fix that. And it goes on to like always improving yourself. And, you know, and it's all about fact-finding and not putting faults to other people or not putting faults to things that you've done. Or you can put faults to things that you've done, but now you fix those things and you just keep on improving. And it's always about improving yourself, improving situations, improving your actions and the way to think. I guess now my question is, because you know me, and I'll describe a little Uh bit of me right now, is that I like to butt heads a lot. So I get called an ass a lot because of how I talk and I'm very blunt and I'm working on that. Just like, as you said, I learned from my mistakes. But at the same time, if we want to get something done and want to be better and want to look and challenge things, do you think it's okay to be an ass sometimes? Is it okay to be a Steve Jobs and want perfection? Not perfection, but, you know, things done and to be a dick about it. Sometimes. Do you feel like you're a dick? I try not to be. But right, and it goes back to people receiving things because they're, you know, sensitive about topics or sensitive about the way they re- re- receive things. Their receptions are very sensitive, you know? It's always constructive. The, the feedback's always constructive. Yes, and that's what Maybe I've Maybe I can talk to this certain person a different way. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to change who you are, but if you want something done, you must sacrifice and save face, save face for the benefit of both, you know, for the benefit of the situation. Yeah, and I understand that it's, you know, sugarcoating. And for a long time, I hated sugarcoating, but I understand that it's necessary because if you don't sugarcoat things, your message won't get across. Right. And that it's, you know. Like, I can, I can talk to you with full sarcasm and you'd be okay with it. Because we know each other for, you know, a couple of years, you know, five years ongoing. And we both know the way we interact. 
But if I were to go to one of your coworkers and make a sarcastic comment and they take it offensively, I wouldn't do that again because I, or I wouldn't have done that in the first place because I know that I don't know them as much, as long as you do, or as, as long as I do you. And I, I'm guessing and it's always about, it's always about gauging with respect to different people. Yeah, it's about gauging what is, you know, proper. And I don't like the word proper, but it is accurate to say that there are proper ways to interact with different people. And you have to learn appropriate. them. Appropriate. And I hate that word, too. <laughs> it's a, the, the, it's the words I hate, one of the biggest things I hate is the word, you know, the phrase common sense. Because that's not common. <laughs> right. Because everyone, everyone goes back to perspective perspective and perception everyone's perception of common sense is so drastically different and then what I get into and I guess this is another question is you have to gauge things but gauging things means that we inherently have to judge people in the first five seconds so we know how to treat somebody right? not necessarily judge we kind of do and I hate that Judge in a positive connotation. Positive connotation, but also at the same time, if you walk up to, you know, a older lady dressed nicely, you're going to think suburban mom, and suburban moms have a things they t- talk about and care about, so you don't, you know, mention that you like Tupac and you think he's alive, because they don't know who Tupac <laughs> is, probably. Yeah. If you get my uh, analogy. Um, yeah, I guess so. If you walk into a fancy it, place, you can't start, you know, rapping about, you know. Yeah, and I guess, I guess you can, it's not judging but like classifying classifying certain situations so like this situation I'm going to be respectful because I'm in front of you know certain certain number of executives or and it's kind of like you know what do you do when you dress up for work yeah we're putting on a perception or whatever or we'll act a certain way because we want people to perceive us in a certain way and we perceive people in a certain way too Right, so you're not going to go to work dressed in pajamas. Yeah, it's a social contract. It's We all agree to dress like this because this is what we think is appropriate or proper. I guess what I was trying to go with this and kind of bring back kind of the themes we talked about so we get our heads around again. I guess the main two themes is a challenge, right? The kind of constant challenge of life. And how you go into challenge, but at the same time, no matter what you do, there's always challenge. Yeah. We are challenged on how to act. We challenge other people, challenge ourselves. We better ourselves. We do everything because at all times, the world is imperfect around us, so thereby we must react to it. Is that accurate? Yeah, so it's like the big, it's the big brother mentality. There's, there's there's always something watching. There's always someone watching what you do. And it's... So there's not necessarily people watching, but there's always something... So like you're always always watching yourself and your actions. You're always watching yourself and what you say. There's always... Like in my case, my boss is... You know, I just got an email from her from a... Feedback from an email I just sent. You know, she's always watching what I say or what I do to get feedback or to, you know, report saying, oh yeah, he's doing a good job. Or your friends are always watching what you do and then they 
they think, oh, you're, so it's always people are having this perception of who you are. So you're always admitting positivity or you're always admitting, you know, like me being a grumpy cat or you're always admitting, you know, something that someone's receiving. So like if you walk down the street and you're just walking and if you don't smile at, you know, this person that walks beside you, you never see them. Or like if you get in an elevator and you say, good morning or like, how you doing? Or when you get off, you say, have a good one people will see, oh yeah, he, he sounds like a good guy, or, you know, he's, he's commutative, and, you know, I can see he has a good personality. But if you don't do that, people won't know. So that's like the big brother mentality, that there's something is always, someone is always like recording you, or, or not recording you, but like taking in what you, you're doing. I, oh gosh, that's... Did, did you just get like, a, a brain blast? No, because I treat it other way around. That's how I am. Who I am is that. Is that if you always think someone's watching, you're always thinking someone's judging you, which they are. I I don't disagree with you. Right. Not entirely, but at the same time, you can't let other people's judgment of you run you into this insane loop of. It's I, I I like that concept of fake it till you make it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But at the same time, there is something inherently disingenuous of always acting, always acting at all times because then you're never actually being you. Okay, so so it, it's a it's a double blade sword, you know, double winded sword. Um, I, I can see that, you know, you feel that way and then you're like, well, they're judging me. Screw them. Doesn't matter what they think. Or, and it, it's, it's just the, the way that you think about it. So, like, if you always see people judging you versus people's, people like, you know, like how I see it, people's always, like, going to perceive what you say. So, I, I left the negativity or positivity out and just saying that they're perceiving they're always there's always something that's like getting the input of what you say yes i i agree with that statement is that whatever you do has repercussions that's how i would phrase it well well, not repercussions but there's something always attached yeah there's a feedback loop life's a giant feedback loop i don't i don't disagree with you there but, oh, how do I... Because I, this is kind of the wavering line I keep thinking of myself over and over again. And it's a hard line to walk, is that we are, both of us agree that we challenge ourselves to change ourselves to make ourselves better. Right. That's kind of agreed between both of us that we want to be better people. But we can't keep changing forever because there's some feedback that is noise. And the catch is that you have to be able to filter that noise, understand what's actually good feedback or not good feedback. Right. So you, you'll build you'll build a personal filter. There's mm-hmm. some things that people you won't change because you feel like, oh, I'm content with this. Um, you know, if they don't like it, that's fine. And then you built that immunity against you know critical feedback, where it just doesn't isn't constructive. It's just critical. And you'll build that 
that gauge of like, I'm happy. It doesn't bother me that they're not happy with me or it doesn't bother me that they feel that way. I, you know, I've, I've done all I could. I've, I've, you know, you gain, you gain that kind of nirvana of like living your life, knowing that you've pleased as much as you can. And a key word is as much as you can or as much as you feel you can. Because if you know you can't please more, you're never going to stop. And then it goes back to what you said, that you're always changing. Changing, you're going to change until you feel you're, you're comfortable. You're going to change until you feel that you can do as much as you can. And you're just like, all right, I, I, like, I like being who I am. So you know, I like waking up at four in the morning, getting my workout done. People think that, oh yeah, he's a go-getter or, you know, uh, ambitious, you know, brown noser, this, this and that. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to live my life how I like it. It's whatever. And you're just mellow out. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I agree with you completely. Because that's how I think, but you know how I act. <laughs> I am mellow on the inside, right. but I am very bombastic on the outside. Right. And, and then you know why? Because that's just who you are. And I know you're like, you know, the opposite of me. You are, you know, very loud, mm -hmm. very talkative, very vocal. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you're like, you're like this neon purple to my black. And it's that juxtaposition of like different personalities. But people accept who you are. People accept that you are that type of person. So it's, no one's gonna tell you to be. I mean, I, I know I found myself he's like Andy, shut up, or you know, you're being too loud, or whatever. And I've mellowed out we, over the years. And, it, and you've gotten less that? black over the years because we're yeah. finding some middle ground to live, but we still stay. You stay mostly black, but you're more like a maroon now, and I'm more like a highlighter purple. <laughs> right, right. So, so we we and then so it's that counterbalance where us in within ourselves we found you know things that we would say to each other, be like, oh yeah. So, and it's that you know communication and feedback that we gave each other, and we reconstructed to a point where you know you wouldn't be able to see me talking this way five years ago when we had that fight over that iPad or about the iPad about a keyboard attached to an iPad versus a laptop gosh uh, we was because that's how mundane that conversation was yeah. or worthless basically but going back but going back like if we were to you know look back get in a time machine look back to our older selves and or you would look back to the type of person that I you know how I acted how I looked changed since then or uh, you know how I acted how I thought back then you would see two different mentalities yeah because you grow a, you grow as a person you grow as a human within time because you pick up on things that people say about you you pick up on things that you reflect on those things that people say about you and you always constantly change but then you change and you plateau until a next uh, crisis happens on some somewhere where you get tested again, you change again. Right. You so, had your, and then, I, I call it a crucible, but yes. 
okay, yeah. So, you know, some, some traumatic event happens or you get a promotion or a family member dies or, you know, something drastic happens. And then again. That molds you again. Mm-hmm. And you keep, and you don't keep changing. You, you're just accustomed to it. So it's like riding a wave. You're yourself. But you go up and you come down. But you're always at that point where you're like, I know who I am. I know who I am and I know how I'm acting and I know how it's right. And I've experienced this, I've experienced that. And that's what that made, you know, those things made me feel this way. Those things made me act this way. Those things got me to this point. And and you wouldn't change them and that's how you live with yourself. Because those moments, though they may be good or bad, they shaped who you were. And all now. And then I guess if that's, that's just this part of growing old and being more mature or having a more mature sense of thinking. So let's define maturity for a bit. So I will get that down, make sure we're all agreeing on what maturity means. What does maturity right. mean to you? I guess it's just more of like not age or not, you know being stiff but more of like complete improvement of yourself so you know being a teen you're reckless being you know a young adult you're outgoing you're very you know still kind of reckless but being more mature you kind of like and I guess it's mature to me is that mellow point mature to me is when you've reached, you know, that that peak of thinking not only about yourself but about others. Thinking on your how your improvements as a person helps others, how your improvements as a person affects others. So is it being and then, just more self aware yeah. of how your actions bleed out into the people around you? Right. So, so, so let's say, you know, I do my days to days and then I affect, you know, my job affects 96 people. The things that I do affects 96 people. If I were a reckless teenager, 50% of the people would now be dead. Metaphorically. Because you... In a mature... In a, because I wouldn't know how to act because my actions and my, you know, my actions and my words would conflict with a lot of people and it would just create chaos. Not physically, but, you know, a hostile environment, this, this, and that. If, you know, and if, if I'm more of like a mature sense of my more mellowed out, I'd just be like, okay, how can I attack this? How can what I say and what I do be okay with everyone else. I'm trying to try to figure out better word than mellow because mellow. I I don't want to say I'm mature yet, but at the same time, mellow seems still a little off in how we describe things. Is it not mellow, but more of confident? Is that confidence or just self-confidence or self? It's it's, it's, it's self-confidence. Like, 
And, and, and for the audience, when I say mellow, I am not high off my ass right now. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's, but it's it's that that it's self confidence. It's it's confidence in what you say and what you do. It's confidence that you know, and it, it's just being okay with the situation, and being o- okay with things. So okay with things, but then you want to change things, so you can't be okay with that. So. Okay with it, meaning that you understand like acceptance. acceptance. So self acceptance. <laughs> you accept yes. yourself, and you know acceptance of the situation, acceptance of like the the members in society, acceptance with with just what's going on. So like attacking a, a, a like a very stressful situation. With a quote-unquote mature attitude, would be like, okay, so what's going on? Oh, there's these. You know, I just got cut off. One, I can act in road rage, cut the person off, probably start a brawl in the middle of the highway, or I can just be like, okay, let me just slow back off with him, so I don't tell him, so he doesn't think that I'm trying to get revenge on him cutting me off. Or I can just move lanes and just be like, all right, this is, this is fine. I can just ignore what just happened and just go on with my life. So then it's just more of accepting the things that, ignoring, it's the filter. It's creating a filter for your life. Is, is, is that more accurate then? Yeah. It's, it's creating that like, personality where things don't rustle your feathers so that you can actually think clearly yep so it's more of a it's a mental state of mind of saying I know how to solve things I might not be the best at it but I know how to do things is that maturity? yeah yeah so so you yeah in a sense because I, I imagine maturity um, being like when I'm at work and I'm in over my head, I know to call my boss and say, "Hey, um, I need some help." <laughs> I kn- this this is what this is where things are at. I need your help in deciding this factor here because I don't have the authority to decide it, or I need your wisdom. Right, and there's more. There's a lot of things to so like you can be mature in saying that you can accept your mistakes, accept when you make a mistake, and take your own fault for it. And be okay with that for asking with for questions, even though you feel like you're in a certain rank. But being so, okay with the situation that you are wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like, so it's all about wrapping it up. It's accepting how things are. It's taking reality as it is without trying to create a bias for or against you. Yeah. Because immaturity would be saying, oh, the war's out to get me, the war, the war's crashing down, life hates me, fuck this, fuck that, my boss hates me because, you know, sh- she hates everybody, even though you're... Immaturity would be saying that, no, I'm not doing a good job because I'm not communicating well, I should communicate better, and accepting and looking at everything objectively, rationally. Right. And right. We'll, and I, will, I keep going back to that because, is that just rationality? Being rational? Is maturity just having been more rational? Is that a better way to I guess put you it? could say that. 
being more rational, being more realistic. Well, being realistic is being pansy because it's sort of like the word common. Oh. Because it's it's too vague. Okay. Because being real, real means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Rational, I keep going to rag that word because that there's a definition there, and we both understand what rational and irrationality means. Right. It's thinking yeah, with your you, head. I guess you can say it's rational. So then it's just being. That's but that, that takes a soul out of it all, and um, now I like that a lot, and I also also don't like that. Because you don't like that we say it's rational. Because it's the energy of having that bountiful youthfulness. Is that if we're too rational, you know, you end up like Spock. It's not to say that's a bad thing, but that kind of strips away the awesomeness of passion and the awesomeness of grief and all this stuff, all these emotions that makes us human. Right. But it's always okay to let loose. Yes. It's always okay. It's always okay to accept that, you know, you're going to do something. Because... That, you know, it's passionate. You're passionate about something. You know, and it's about letting loose. So, like, it's kind of like the, the teacher mentality where, like, you always see your teacher doing good in class. But then when you see her in the grocery store, you're like, wait, but you're a teacher. So that's saying that, like, yes, she's perfect in class because she, but she's human, too. Right. It's all about, you know, yeah. So, like, for instance, you you see me... And it's going back to things that I like and make me happy. And we're going circles in here. You see me, grumpy cat, color black, emotionless. But when I'm in the middle of a pit at a concert, I'm a totally different person. So then... Because I'm passionate about music. I'm passionate about these things. And then that's how I let loose. So it's a balance then. It's a balance, yes. So then, what the phrase, I guess, I'm trying to look for... What does it mean? This is, this is the part of the podcast where I try to like look for common themes and try to wrap it up into my common format of blank and blank. Right. And what I'm thinking of, it's challenges and what. Because we've talked about perceptions, and we talked about reality, we talked about acceptance... Acceptance, I like that a lot. Acceptance? Yes. Accepting your past, your future, your actions. Accepting that what you do... Accepting reality? Accepting reality. Accepting... You need to accept everything as as it is, right? Right. Accepting yourself? Accepting you need to change. Accepting everything. You can't reject anything, can you? Is that... Is that too much? I guess... I don't know, so... We've talked about the challenge. The challenges that, you know, like I myself always find. Me accepting, you know, changes, accepting my change in mentality. Accepting that you need to change. Right. 
accepting that you fucked up, accepting that people's opinions matter, accepting you need to watch your words, accepting all of that means that you're accepting challenges and you accept that everything is a challenge if you think about it quite literally. Right. That makes sense. Is that when someone gives you feedback, you can challenge yourself and say, hey, should I use it? Is it actually useful? And you either accept it and change and chop and, you know, I don't know. That's... That's, that's, that's exactly what we talked about. When you find your nirvana and you're like, okay, do I really need a change for this person? Or are they going to be okay with me just being who I am? Or am I going to be okay with me just being who I am? And it's always about, you know, accepting that challenge. But the last question I'd like to ask to make this into a formal podcast, vaguely. <laughs> and the podcast is, if I didn't say it already, <laughs> titled um, Insufferably Human. And what I'd like to ask us right. is, what does that invoke? And do you think that's kind of a good title for this? I think it's a good title. Yeah, let's talk there. Insufferably human? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we touch about things that, you know, as a person, we all think. So we talked about finding happiness or relationships, love, passions, challenges, transforming into better humans. And it's all about reflection. So these podcasts all have been about reflection. Correct. The ones that I've listened to, the ones that I, you know, have done with you, they're all about reflection. And we look back on things that have happened in our lives as humans, you know, of course, as people, as friends, as family, as brothers, sisters, you know, as, as lovers. And, and we just, you know, collectively reflect on things. So I think it's a good title because of that, because we are very raw with emotion with experiences and it's just us rationalizing what has happened and, and what we take from it and that's why I named my some of the reason why I named my website what it is too which is um, right. robots that can feel it's all about you know the, the challenge and then how you what you do with it so what you know person A and what podcast what did he do with a breakup or what did he do with you know falling out of love or feeling a certain way about a person what do you do with it you grow from it 